Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. For a number of years, I heard a lot of people tell me how it was never going to go up in value. It was never going to go anywhere because of the location and where it is and um, I kept that property, I think it was for close to 10 years, and it, it almost tripled when I sold it in, in that time frame. So, you know, I learned very quickly that, you know, the, the, the property goes up everywhere across a good, a good capital city like Melbourne. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're chatting with Mark Rubusky, head buyer's agent of Wise Real Estate Advice. We'll follow his journey from buying his first investment property at the age of 18 to strategizing his way to produce funds for his next development project and find out how you can create wealth through entering the property investing game. Also, before we delve into this episode, go over to propertyinveststory.com and subscribe to receive your free property investor case studies where you'll learn how to generate passive income from your properties. Go there now to sign up for free. Rubaski runs a successful buyer's agent in South Bank, Melbourne and offers a range of options for property investors. I own a buyer's agency in South Bank, Melbourne uh, called Wise Real Estate Advice and we basically offer uh, buyer's agency services to people that are looking for buying property uh, across Melbourne whether uh, it's their first home or a home to live in, uh, investment properties uh, and we we service a whole range of different clients. So we we basically have uh, I guess local people that that are just wanting to get into the market. We've got uh, interstate buyers and, and many international buyers as well. Um, a few other types of services that we offer that, that are quite unique to our agency uh, is basically like dual occupancy type of properties where uh, investors can uh, come in and, and try and purchase properties where um, you know once we kind of uh, do, do a little bit of magic in the sense of doing a, a project for someone uh, for a dual occupancy, they can actually be have a property that's positive gearing. Uh, so that's something that's quite unique to our agency. We've offered that to a number of clients where we're able to, to give them that service to, uh, for helping them, I guess, subdivide and build. Uh, we've been operating for uh, just over five years now uh, and we've got a number of buyers agents that work with us as well. Uh, we also have a property management team uh, for the properties that we purchase for people. So, yeah. So, firstly, what does Rebarski do in any given day? I spend a lot of time on the phone, as you can imagine. Uh, I speak to many real estate agents every day. Uh, there's a lot of off-market work that we do, uh, and we're constantly getting phone calls from all over, agents from all over Melbourne giving us uh, plugs for uh, or opportunities to purchase properties that uh, are for sale but not on, a, on the marketplace. Um, I do a lot of property inspections on these properties. 
uh, and also have a handful of clients which I service from day to day, which I basically do a lot of property inspections and private negotiations uh, and obviously auctions and uh, so forth as well. Being, being the owner of the business as well, I'm obviously running a team of people as well uh, and just making sure everyone's keeping busy uh, and, and looking after our clients. So that, that's, that's pretty much the day-to-day of, of what my, my job entails. When opportunities are presented to him for his clients, there is a wide range of properties on offer which are then tailored to the client's needs. You probably get those, I don't know, you're based in Sydney, but uh, you know, in, in Melbourne, uh, everybody gets these annoying little pamphlets from real estate agents saying, look, I want to appraise your home and give you an idea of market value. Um, you'll find that you know the, the, the larger agencies like your Barry Plants and your Ray Whites and uh, your RT Edgars, they, they do many, many appraisals in, in all sorts of areas. Um, and, and they have wonderful databases of people that um, you know, are looking to sell or looking to sell in the near future. Uh, and agents are really good at keeping those databases and keeping track of when these properties come on the market. Uh, we get all sorts of different opportunities from, you know, depending on the area. Like, for example, I did one in Coburg a few weeks ago where um, that was a, a beautiful home, a single story, um, about a 50-year-old renovated home, um, heritage listed. Really, really great property. Uh, the agents gave gave me a call to say, "Hey, look, we've got this one that's off market. Uh, we essentially had a buy that you know it matched all the criteria, and we we done a deal that way. Uh, we did one the uh, you know a few months ago in the outer west of Windenvale. Um, you know that's the you know I guess like an entry level area where we purchased an investment property for for a buyer. Um, and it, you know the same kind of story. The agents called us up and said, "Look, we've got this one off market. We've done an appraisal." They don't want to go through the advertising and auction process. Do you have any buyers? Uh, and luckily, we had a, a Sydney-based investor that was looking at the time in that area, uh, and the stars just aligned, and, and we, we were able to uh, purchase the property. So it really just depends on um, the types of buyers that we're attracting, uh, because you know, our site reaches across Melbourne. Um, you know, it really comes down to what our, buy, our, buy, our customers' criteria is, and we match it up with what's in the area. Um, quite frequently, I would I would actually drop a few emails to a couple of agents uh, and, and just say, "Hey, look, this is a kind of uh, this is the buyer that I have at the moment, their budget and what they're looking for. Please give me a call if you have anything that, that matches up as well." And that's something that we also do as well, just to kind of give our, our clients that extra value. So, growing up in the eastern suburbs of Victoria and completing his education there, Rubaski became familiar with the state where he would eventually create his buyer's agency business. Yeah, I grew up on the uh, in the east side of Melbourne, and I don't know if you've ever heard of Endeavour Hills, uh, yeah, we basically lived out that way, and I went to school in, in uh, Hallam. I did my VCE, and then I moved into a Bachelor of Business, um, so I did that at Victoria University uh, in Melbourne. The influence to get into real estate stemmed from his father, who was involved in property investing in the earlier years. My background in real estate really came from my father. He was... Um, a little bit of a real estate developer, so he was never afraid to, you know, knock down a house and build some, uh, you know, uh, a, part, a unit. Sorry, um, and I'd watch him. I'd watch him my whole life, basically have uh, investment properties and manage tenants and so forth. Uh, and he, he'd done quite well over the years. Um, and in my, in my, I guess my younger teen years, he, he was, you know, buying and selling and flipping properties quite aggressively. Um, and I just thought he was, you know. A little bit crazy at the time because I thought, you know, we, I think he owned five houses at at one stage, and um, I just thought that's that's not normal. People, you're supposed to own one house, not five, and I always thought he was going to send us broke. But um, you know, I, I learned through that process that um, you know the market moving upwards and the the, the way he was able to gain equity through um, through the market going up and, and renovations and adding value to properties, 
it actually made quite a bit of money. And, and I realized that that was a great opportunity for, um, for uh, I guess, building a, a, a stable a stable future for myself and, and, and I guess, you know, family moving forward. Um, and from there, um, I actually moved into corporate banking. I worked for American Express after I finished university. And I serviced, like, a, you know, large clients where I, I sold them um, credit cards and they would pay, you know, huge, huge Telstra bills and so forth uh, on these cards. And I just kind of realized that, you know, through watching my dad, I actually had a real big passion for property. Um, he had helped me purchase my first property when I was 18. Uh, and I kind of just thought, you know, maybe this is a career that I want to get into, real estate, because I, I talk it really well and I understand it through my through my experience, through my dad. And maybe I should take that next step to go into into school, into uh, into real estate. Um, and I did. I ended up working for, for Ray White. I moved over after a number of years of uh, the corporate world and I, I went over to work for Ray White. I did a few years there, and then I did a few years in in Barry Plant as well, um, and then and then decided to uh, get my license and start my own business. Um, in the meantime, through that whole process, uh, once I got into real estate in my in my mid twenties, uh, I I had purchased a number of investment properties since because they were a lot cheaper back then than, than they are now. Um, I'd purchased, you know, I started doing developments. So you know, over the last ten years, I've done I've done four different developments for myself. You know, ranging from single unit sites to, to three uh, to three unit sites where we've knocked down a house and we build you know three double story townhouses, um, and that's that's really been my business. Um, that's been my part time business on top of owning a buyers agency. Um, I, I've just been developing properties for myself and for customers, and uh, obviously running a business as well. And that that's where I'm at right now. I've had the business for a number of years and uh, serviced many many clients and built a great network of contacts and people that I do business with on a regular basis. The choice to pursue a career as a buyer's agent as opposed to a developer was influenced by the availability of funds and time. With regards to full-time development, it's a pretty slow process and your funds are locked up for quite a long time. Um, you know, I think you, know, you, you need quite a bit more money to, and be running multiple projects at any one time to be able to do it full-time. Um, you know, so I think it's something I considered, but obviously it's something that you need you know, a lot of funds for. So with the, with the, I guess, the volume of funds I, I have at the moment, um, it's, it's all about, you know, I guess I'm able to, you know, comfortably to, comfortably to be able to do one project at a time and, and it basically, uh, I guess, restricts you from that perspective. So, yeah, it would be nice, but, um, yeah, at the moment, unfortunately, it's just something that, that you know, I, I personally can't do, but, you know, it's something that we're working towards. I'm 37 at the moment, so I've still got a few years left in me in the sense of work and, and uh, you know, hustling, so to speak. While his parents are now retired, his father still provides a goldmine of valuable property advice. They're retired. My dad's in his mid-70s now, um, so he's, he's, he's a uh, bit of an older man. That he, He's got a holiday house down in, in St. Leonard's in, in Melbourne. Uh, which is a, a beachside suburb around the, the, the uh, entry level of the, uh, the Port Phillip Bay, uh, and he spends a lot of his time just just uh, you know tinkling around with tools in the in the shed and, and uh, you know fishing and typical typical things a 75 year old does. Um, yeah, so you know I go up there every now and then once I have a spare moment and I try and spend a bit of time with him in, in the sense of fishing and so forth. But uh, yeah, he always gives me the advice and feedback on what I should be doing better and and so forth. Having used property investing to their advantage throughout their lives, they are now able to live off the equity in their retirement, while also helping Rybarski and his sister. They've also leveraged that 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 wealth, I guess, into uh, into our lives as well, helping us start out and actually buy our first homes, myself and my sister. Um, so without them, obviously, there's not many 18-year-olds that can afford to buy a house, even though it was a 
you know, at the time a relatively, you know, entry level home, uh, it still set me up for life. And, um, you know, now all of us through that, you know, my parents and, and my sister and myself, um, that, 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 I guess investment attitude is, is giving us, given us a, a whole life and business around, uh, around that. So it's been, it's been wonderful. Uh, and it also helps, you know, majorly that, that, you know, we live in one of the, um, uh, best cities, you know, that, that, that is absolutely real estate obsessed. Um, you know, we've got, you know, on most of our TV shows are based on cooking or real estate. And, uh, you know, essentially we, we all love it. And, uh, it's something that we love adding value to. We love, we love brushing up our homes and, and, you know, adding as much as we possibly can to them in, in that regards and developments and whatever we can do to houses. I think that the Melbourneites really love doing that kind of stuff. And same with, same with people in Sydney. So, uh, real estate is, is like the, the passion of many, many people. Coming up after the break, we'll delve into Rybarski's journey on the first property he ever invested in. We bought off the plan um, in the outer west of, of Melbourne. Um, so just to give you an idea, this you know there's a bit of a stigma in the western suburbs of Melbourne. Uh, you know the, the whole market thinks it's it's something that's um, you know a bit of a rough place, and and, and it isn't. His vision for his property journey now. So I just know that it creates security for my family, and uh, it gives us a really good direction. Um, it's given me a lot of purpose and, and passion and, and you know I share that with other people. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Chum and you're listening to Property Invest Story. Hey podcast listeners, are you enjoying listening to these stories and want more? Then head over to propertyinvestory.com and subscribe to receive your free property case studies that I only send exclusively via email. Just one of the many benefits of being part of this community. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, their strategies and much more. Simply visit propertyinvestory.com to get your free case studies. Now back to the show. Rybarski invested in his first property at the age of 18 in what he considers to be a rough area. However, he didn't let that discourage him. We bought off the plan um, in the outer west of, of Melbourne. Um, so just to give you an idea, this you know, there's a bit of a stigma in the western suburbs of Melbourne. Uh, you know, the, the whole market thinks it's it's something that's um, you know a bit of a rough place, and, and and it isn't. I guess it was back back in those days, and everyone was quite concerned about capital growth and that you never you never make any money out there. Um, but I purchased not knowing anything about real estate back then. My dad helped me buy. Um, a, a double-story house for $187,000. It was a house and land package and they had actually built the house. It's Henley Homes, I think. Um, so that that built the house and as soon as it was finished, um, we put tenants in there uh, and basically just left it. And, you know, for a number of years, I heard a lot of people tell me how it was never going to go up in value, it was never going to go anywhere because of the location and where it is. And um, I kept that property, I think it was for close to 10 years and it, 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 almost, it almost tripled when I sold it. Um, in, in that time frame. So, you know, I learned very quickly that, you know, the, the, the property goes up everywhere across a good, a good capital city like Melbourne. Um, you know, there is, it's definitely a stagnated growth. It's not something that's as consistent as the inner suburbs, but um, you can definitely still make some great money out there in, in entry-level real estate. And, I mean, that's a, that's a perfect example where, you know, I had lived it and actually experienced it regardless of, uh, I guess, public opinion. It had worked really well for me, so. With Rubaski's method of buying and selling, his portfolio is a conservative yet balanced one. 
at the moment, I've got um, I've owned four properties, uh, and one at the moment is a development site. Um, I'm, the development site is, is based in uh, in Altona, uh, so it's a beachside suburb in the west of Melbourne, uh, and I'm also living down that way as well. Um, and the other properties I own are just basically uh, the house I live in, uh, and the others are, are basically units. So. The, the leftover remnants of projects that I've done and, and sold off and that's the kind of balance of what I have. Great. That's really, really inspiring. And what, what are your plans for your property investing journey? Like what do you, what's your why behind it and what do you want to do with that portfolio once you've built it up? Uh, look, I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I feel as though I've, I've done everything I want to do and I've, got a, I've picked up on a really good model that works um, and I, I'm just running with it. I mean, where it's going to take me, I don't know. I actually don't have an end path. I just know that it creates security for my family and uh, it gives us a really good direction. Um, it's given me a lot of purpose and, and passion and, and you know, I share that with other people, with clients that I service uh, and that comes through in my business as well. So um, I guess the, the where to is, you know, I'm kind of doing the where to and, and just running with it at the moment and, and enjoying what I do. So there is no kind of, uh, I guess, end point. Um, you just keep running with it. So it's like my dad, I guess, in the sense where, you know, retirement was never an option for him. He just kept going and uh, I, don't, I don't see myself slowing down. I enjoy what I do and I love talking about it and, and, and sharing it with people and that's, that's what kind of uh, portrays in my work and, and, and in the clients I service. So. The worst moment in his property journey came when he was still green in the developing world and wasn't fully aware of the potential nightmares of holding costs. My very first project that I did uh, ever, the I purchased a block of land and I you know, wanted to do a development site of three townhouses. Um, you know, I had done all my figures and thought, yep, this is definitely going to be a great investment if I build three. Uh, my dad was suggesting I build two on, on the property um, and just have you know, a higher quality uh, uh, type of property where in the sense of you know, larger land for each one and, and each one has a, has a large, is more of a larger townhouse rather than a, what I did, what I built. Um, what, I, what I built was uh, three double-storey townhouses um, with like a three-bedroom, uh, one bathroom, one car garage, uh, but the, the whole process was was um, a small nightmare in the sense of holding costs. Um, I'd purchased the property, and the, the, the council, um, you know, really took their time in getting the approval done. Um, the neighbours had complained and taken us to VCAT about about the uh, development that they weren't happy with it, and we, we, we'd spent a number of months in VCAT uh, sorting this out. And that whole process before we even started building. Uh, once it was all approved and done, we we basically, uh, you know, I think something like eighteen months went past of just of just me holding land and and obviously all the costs involved in in subdivision holding holding um uh, you know paying people to do plans and permits and so forth. Um, so that was quite a tough experience uh, being a young investor. That being my first project, and then when it came to finding a builder, that was quite a difficult challenge as well. They're all very expensive and it's taken a big margin out of my out of my uh, out of my original calculation. So it didn't actually work out how I wanted to. Um, but thankfully, the market moved up quite a bit in that time frame, and it kind of forgave uh, any oversights and uh, that that I originally had. Uh, and it it, it the, you know the grey hairs that that project gave me actually gave me a lot of wisdom as well and knowledge in the sense of how to approach a project and what to expect uh, and what a, what a normal time frame is when it comes to developing developing projects. So, the lesson to be learned from this experience. Um, the biggest lesson is always have a a strategy to fall back on when something doesn't work out the way the way you think it will. Um, so, for example, always have a plan B. Uh, w- with my development, you know, there, there really wasn't a plan B at that, for my first project that I did. It was just basically just go head, head first into it and, you know, 
I never even thought of the the fact that you know what would happen if something went went wrong. Uh, and now every every project I do now, there's always a plan B. So you know, I've changed my strategy from back then from doing multiple townhouses to just buying a single single dwelling um, and putting a, another unit in the rear of something. And that that's something that is really uh, uh, healthy for cash flows. You can claim the property untaxed, and if things don't work out with council or take a long period of time, you've got tenants looking after the property and actually paying paying the uh, their in, the interest off anyway. So. That's my plan B is ultimately you can always sell a property with tenants if, if you kind of lose out on, on the planning process. Um, and that's, I think that's with everything, even that that's the approach I apply to my, my current clients that I buy properties for. Um, they might not think it, but I think it for them. I always think of, you know, if the market turns, turns sour and, and property prices drop, how, how easy will this property be to sell? And that's why we basically look for properties that um, have, you know, a whole bunch of things that are, that are, that are going for it. So, if our clients do need to activate a plan B, they need to sell in a bad time. Um, we've done, we've taken that step for them, and, and essentially they can benefit from my knowledge and my my experience and grey hairs of, uh, of of you know doing doing projects that have that are, that are quite difficult. A moment where everything clicked into place for Rubaski happened when he absorbed all the knowledge he needed to undertake more potential developments in the future. As soon as I finished that first development project. And I'd sold, I'd sold everything off. Um, that wasn't a great project in the sense of, of profit and, and how we did out of it. Uh, but I, I, I'd learnt how to, how to do it. And uh, I'd, I'd done three properties for myself since. And each one has just been increasing in, in, in uh, I guess, margins of profit that, that I'd pulled from, from, from the site. And that, that aha moment came straight after I'd sold it and realised, hey, look, now I know what to do. I know how to do the, the planning process. I know how to, how to you know, attract the right kind of builder um, and thank, thankfully my wife gave me another, another shot at it. She just, just believed in me and said, look, you know, let's just go with, with what you know and, and we stuck together and, and we, we pushed forward and, and did three more projects and they were fantastic. Um, I'll, I'll never turn back. I'm glad I took that, that second step in, in doing it again. So, what encouraged him to move forward and overcome the shortcomings of that project? Selling real estate, uh, my the, the, when I was working for for Ray White and Barry Plant, the the people I've worked for, um, and the real estate industry in general, and this is why the real estate industry is such a sharp one, is that generating leads was was fully uh, you know fully came from me actually going out there and generating leads on my own listings. Um, you know, the, we we got very little from the from the actual real estate office them, uh, themselves. Um, so I, I built a number of relationships with local builders that were doing spec homes and selling their own houses, and that was my way in on, on real estate and how I succeeded in 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 uh, selling homes. Um, and I had seen and learned from um, builders that were doing exactly the same thing as me, the, the mum and dad kind of development sites where they'd had a, a couple of projects going. And I just learned from what worked in the sense of how big the properties were, how many bedrooms we should offer, where you should buy, um, and how they were managing their projects, and they were doing it quite successfully, pulling one off every two or three years, uh, and, and they had that going for 10, 10, 15, 20 years, some of them. Um, and I thought, look, if they can do it, I can do it as well. And I just that that, that gave me that that confidence to um to to think that you know that that I could do the same thing, even that, especially since I've done it once before. So that was you know I guess the, there was a learning curve in in, in the original project of, of the actual physical experience, and then. I guess learning from the knowledge and wisdom from from other people in the industry, um, while I was selling their properties in real estate, gave me enough enough of a picture to kind of move forward and, and do my own thing once again. 
although the purchases he makes for clients and those he makes for himself vary. For his own property portfolio, he prefers to invest in those where he can add value. So the model I'm doing now for myself and for, um, you know, clients all have different uh, criteria. So for example, you know, I've purchased you know, 10 unit sites for some clients and some, some are your mum and dad investors that are looking for um, something very simple that they could just buy something and just squeeze a unit in the back. So every, it, it comes down to my clients' uh, needs, whatever they, whatever they need is what I flex to and, and share my knowledge with. Um, but as for myself, um, the, the model that I spoke about earlier was just about you know, buying a property that, that you can add value to, um, so a, a small renovator, something that's 30 or 40 years old, uh, and something that you can also put a unit in the rear of it. So you're kind of generating two properties. And the goal, the target has always been um, when, once you complete the rear property, uh, try and sell the, the front property for um, you know, just about all the, you know, to cover all the costs that you've had with the renovation, the subdivision, the planning, and hopefully some of the building as well. Uh, and that way, when you sell the front one, the old renovated one, the, the, the brand new property that you've got um, is, is, you know, really a low maintenance new property that, that is generating great rental income and has a very low level of debt. So that, that's the model that I'm sticking to. And that's, that's what the model that has allowed me to own so much property in, in, in a market where property is very expensive. So. So, inspired by Rybarski's property journey, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode of Property Investory. We'll talk about how to apply his strategy. Buying a property um, that has the potential for subdivision is probably a great place to start. So, like you buy your, your, your property on a 580 square meter block of land with a nice small house that's positioned right. And What personal habits he attributes to his success? Hard work is just something that, that, it, that, that, I, that I do, um, you know. I've always got my computer in front of me. I'm always scanning uh, things, even when it's late night and everyone's relaxing watching TV. And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory. Also, if you haven't subscribed to receive your free property case studies that I only send exclusively via email, you can text me your email address to 0499881040 to subscribe. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, the strategies and much more. Simply text me your email address to 0499881040 to get your free case studies. Thanks for listening.